Empowered Health, a podcast shedding light on how healing is an inside job. Keys to your inner power and total transformation. Discussing wholeness, wellness, and the effects of the mind on the physical and energetic parts of our being. A podcast to support you, moving from fear and pain into wellness and purpose. Belief, hope, connection, energetic keystones for transformation and inner power. Sacred knowledge that inspires us to look within, to find our own unique path. Empowered health, release and rewire to become what you truly are, strong, whole, and empowered. Welcome to Empowered Health. Today we have Juliet Bryant, all the way from England, our game changer and inspiring powerhouse. Juliet is a leading figure in the world of health, and transformation. She has traveled the world seeking out the best tools for achieving good health and healing. Juliet has three published books and countless articles about health and well-being. She is a nutritional health consultant specializing in healthy living, well-being, and nutrition. Welcome, Juliet. Thank you. It's so lovely to be here with you. So exciting. Julia, you have so much to inspire us with today, but I just wanted to start, and you have so many aha moments that have happened to you early, early on that made you who you are, but just start with that story of the first thing that happened to make you really passionate about healing and nature It's healing. So when I was eight, um, my mother got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and this was such a radical shift for our whole family, for, for everyone. And as an eight year old, I didn't really understand what multiple sclerosis was. I just knew that my mum was ill and uh, within six months she was in a wheelchair. So it was a very dramatic, sudden change to our family dynamic because my mother was the one who was really dynamic and buzzy and she got everything done and she was just an incredible whirlwind of energy and suddenly that wasn't available to her you know and within six months as I said she was in a wheelchair and you know it, it really had a huge impact on my whole being and I decided I think almost at that moment that I wanted to I thought I wanted to be a doctor as I wanted to find the cure to heal her. That was my mission. I wanted to heal my mum from MS and anyone else who had MS. That, that became my kind of goal. Um, and one of the things that's really interesting is the other day I saw this little meme and it said, what was the thing you spent hours doing as a child? Because that's what you should be doing as a grown up for your living. And I thought about it and I spent hours down the bottom of my garden making potions with leaves and flowers and mud and creating magic. Um, and I thought about that and that is what I do. I, I combine foods to create magic for people. Um, so 
back to my mum, you know, I, she changed our diets and she cut out animal fats, uh, processed foods, refined sugars. We went on a really healthy diet. We had lots of fish, so it wasn't, we weren't um, vegetarian or pescatarians um, because fish were high in essential fats, which were meant to be very good for multiple sclerosis. So she'd had this massive learning journey, which we then had as well. Um, one of the things I liked about it was that she told us as we went why she was changing things in our diet why how it was affecting her and how it could affect us and that was something that really had a profound effect on me as I got older because you know I rebelled as a teenager and stuck my fingers up to healthy living um, and ate a load of rubbish uh, at every opportunity I could but when I became um, an adult uh, more adult when I became pregnant with my first child that was another one of those like wake up moments because I realized that you know, at that moment, it was so pivotal when I found out I was pregnant because I suddenly thought, hang on, you need to get your act together because whatever you put into your body is directly affecting this life that you're bringing into the world. And not only is it directly affecting this life that you're bringing into the world, but it's also affecting you and your capability to be a good parent. And that was like a wake up call to me I suddenly went I smoked at the time I stopped smoking you know I, I I was I was still relatively healthy but I I really realized that now was the time to start loving myself and caring for myself and at that moment all this flood of information that my mother had given me as that eight nine ten year old child about why she had made these changes all came back to me and I had this brilliant base from which to start my re-education of my being. Right? It's incredible. So your mom gave you the, the love for what came in your future. My mom did too. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, she was really into everything natural and would talk about, you know, you should do this instead of allopathic medicine. And so I heard that really young too. And it wasn't until years later that I picked up on it either. So what happened next, Julia? Did you, did you go to school? Or so, what? Yeah. So I decided at that point that I needed to make these changes. And one of the things that I was really passionate about at the time was that I brought my child up as um, a vegetarian and at the time and he's only he's about to be 16 but at the time people were saying you can't do that because he'll be brain damaged and this isn't that long ago that people were saying this and I thought I know that's not true but I don't know why that's not true and I don't know how to articulate the argument um and 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 there was that small part of me that thought oh my god is there an element of truth to that I knew there wasn't but whenever someone says something you have to have that like oh am I gonna mess up him you know am I gonna screw up his brain development or something like that so I started to study nutrition solely for the fact that I wanted to bring him up with the best diet possible for him to really thrive and um yeah that was that was the starting point so that was it was an incredible you know thing that my son gifted me um my awakening to nutrition and health and what's really interesting is that with each child that I've had I've got three children now I've had a profound shift in my um my work in my being in my spiritual kind of life and I think that each child has has come in with a gift for my being um 
to help and support my growth and and then me helping others to grow yeah beautiful how that happens yeah, yeah. everything is a gift so just give us some of the things that you learned maybe from each child so the first was vegetarian and why you chose that and then so with Samuel it was it was really the waking up of my love of nutrition and that I wanted to uh, really delve into it more and and explore it more so that was that was really the coming into that at the time I was uh, working as a healer and uh, teaching meditation and I was also running a, a mind body spirit center so I was working in the holistic field but I hadn't and I was piecing together what was very interesting was I was noticing that there was a correlation between my energy work and what food I was consuming so I started to notice um, you know this was leading up that if I ate a pizza then if I did a healing shortly afterwards my energy wasn't coming through quite so clearly so I was starting to make these links that you know even though we are more than our physical being if we're using our physical be being as a vessel for healing we need to work on that healing within ourselves and that means looking at what toxins are going into our body looking at how we're nourishing ourselves um, and not just constantly giving out, but giving in to ourselves as well. And so that was, you know, with Samuel, it was, it was about waking up to self-love and waking up to nutrition and the importance of that. And then my next child, Eliar, came along six years later and uh, it really, uh, we started, Juliet's Kitchen was formed. So my business actually started um, when I was pregnant with Elia and what was really interesting was that we filmed our first ever Juliet's Kitchen episode when I was nine months pregnant and it was all about making elderberry tincture. So it, I very much with Elia got into connecting more to foraging and to what nature is providing us on our doorstep so you know finding magical things and some of those early episodes of Juliet's Kitchen are just incredible when I watch back and think wow look at how far I've come now um, from that point nine years ago um, to, to now so Elia was very much about you know the foraging side of things and what's what's actually being provided on our doorstep and and that was when I started to look more into veganism and explore um, that side of things and then Zachary who is now three really was a transition into a much deeper side of working with the earth and I work with nutrition still with people but for me it's very much about connecting people back into the earth because when people connect into the earth through foraging through the food they're eating through meditation through breath work when we connect back into the earth we connect back into ourselves because we are one with this earth and we are a living entity as part of this great huge living entity and always gets me really emotional when i start talking about this because it's such a magical thing when you stop and actually think about this earth and how blessed we are to be on this incredible planet. You know, and you look at the flowers, how they un unfurl and bloom and how um, elderberries are formed and how the natural cycle of life occurs without any input from us without anything happening just this majesty of creation and if you ever stop and look at a rose you can see such majesty of creation 
in that rose or you watch um i saw a hummingbird moth the other day outside my window and it was incredible watching this hummingbird moth it looks a bit like a hummingbird and it moves so fast and it's sucking obviously the nectar out of the plants but just watching this thing do its do its thing was just magical and you know, that's what I've really come into such a deep space with now is returning people into that space. Because then what you find is that all of the answers are there. The earth has the solutions to everything right on our doorstep. And that's just such a profound thing. Oh, so beautiful. And it's two part, isn't it? It's like going inside and realizing that you are part of nature. And then you see nature differently. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's exactly it. Yeah. You yeah. see, you, you, you know, when you wake up to the, fa the fact that you are part of it all, you see it with such a deep reverence. And what I found is that you start to then see yourself with that same reverence. And that is a really important thing. And you don't always, you know, it's really important to add that in because, you know, we're not, we're not always perfect and we're not always going to remember that we are these divine beings and, and, and sometimes we're going to get cross with ourselves and sometimes it's all going to go wrong and we're going to be, you know, want that chocolate bar or whatever it is. And that's all fine too, because that's all part of the growth and the life cycle. Um, so when I'm saying these things, it's not saying it from a pedestal point of view where I am above everything and I, you know, I'm always connected and I'm always perfect because that's not true. I'm a human being living this human experience and doing the best I can. But what brings me back into that alignment each time is my breath and remembering the earth and remembering the beauty and the majesty and it can pull you out of the deep like dark moments and you can go it's okay because I'm part of this amazing planet and it will all be fine. Yeah. I watched Thrive 2 last night and what a beautiful documentary. They're, they're talking about what we're talking about now and it reminds, even though you and I know, to see the science of how it, it's in every cell, it's a, we are a fractal of what is happening out in the universe and we're connected to everything and it just... When I was meditating this morning, I, it just gave me a whole new outlook. Again, a new layer. What you're saying yeah. is in line with exactly what they're saying. So tell us more, Juliet. Just tell us about elderberry. Foraging for elderberry. I think that's such a beautiful thing to just share with everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that I find so remarkable, as I said, is that, you know, the earth provides us what we need when we need it. And this is such a, an amazing thing to tune into. So, you know, over in England, as the season starts to change, the weather changes, that's where I'm, I'm living currently. The thing that comes out, you know, end of August, beginning of September time are elderberries. And elderberries are one of the most amazing antivirals. They are so powerful. Um, they're filled with something called anthocyanin, which is an amazing support for the immune system. And these come just as the weather starts to shift. So it's like, you know, Mother Earth 
knows what we need and boom it's there it's provided so I love going out and foraging for elderberries and um, then I make a whole host of different things so that it can support me and my family and my friends through the winter uh, there have been incredible studies showing that when you take elderberry products it can reduce the severity of flus and colds by up to 40 percent yeah 40 percent is a huge amount uh, when you've got something like that and also they can be very preventative so Going out foraging for elderberries with the elder tree, it's really important that you ask permission. I, I like to do this with anything. Ask permission of the, the plant, of the tree, that I can take the medicine because I find that then it really uh, amplifies the vibration of that medicine. Because like you know, you know, you work in vibrational medicine. Everything is about vibration. Um, and if we have that good intention, that good vibration going into the collecting of the food, into the making of the food, then that medicine is so much more potent um, in its delivery because of everything that went into it. You know, I truly believe that we are energetic beings and so our thoughts have huge ripple effects on everything we do. And I've noticed this with food, with everything. If I'm making something and I'm in a bad mood, when I make it, everyone will eat it and they'll be like, doesn't taste quite right and the exact opposite you know if you're in an amazing mood and you're singing and maybe you're dancing around the kitchen you know and you're making your food and you're putting all this love into it everyone tastes it and goes wow that tastes amazing because what they're tasting is the energy you put into the creation so this is something that this is why i love foraging so much and also growing food i think is such an important part of this where we can because we don't know when we go to the supermarket and buy food we don't know the process of the picking we don't know the vibration and the energy of any of those people and we can't control all of that and i don't want people to get stressed and like concerned about that but where we can have control let's put in that good vibration into the earth into the plants so that when we harvest we harvest with consciousness i think i think that's what it's all about with every step we do in life if we can be as conscious about the process as possible then the best always comes out of it. And as I said, we can't always remember that. And sometimes we're not, and that's okay too. But it's, it's coming back to it in every breath, remembering and catching yourself and going, oh, hang on, I'm not an idiot. I'm just, you know, having an experience and it's all fine. Um, so, you know, with elderberries, I, I like to make elderberry tinctures, which is where you put the elderberries into alcohol and you leave it to infuse for six weeks and then you strain off the berries and then you've got an amazing medicine. Um, I like to add star anise and cinnamon and cloves to that as well, to all hugely antibacterial and antiviral things. Um, I also add reishi mushroom because that is one of my favorite things of all time but I'll talk more about that in a minute but and then the other things I do with elderberries up this time this year for the first time I've made fruit leathers and uh, I was so excited because I've always wanted to but with three kids and you know working full-time doing this work and being you know a wife and a mother and all the rest of it you know sometimes you don't get to try all the amazing things you want to so I made a recipe, which is on my website, which is julietbryant.com, um, of fruit leathers. And it was hawthorn berries, elderberries, blackberries, and apple. And uh, I cooked it up and I added some cinnamon to it as well and, and some reishi mushroom as well. And then I let it cool and then I whizzed it all up and strained it through a muslin bag. And then I had this lovely liquid that was quite thick and pulpy, but not too thick. 
and I added some of my vitamin C mix to it once it cooled and some super greens just to supercharge it because for me I think that's a really nice thing when you can supercharge something and just give it that extra layer of nutrients and you don't have to but if you can then it's a cool thing to do and then I put it onto I've got a dehydrator so I put it onto a baking proof parchment paper and dehydrated it for 12 hours and then wound it up into these little fruit winders you know you see the kids all have these little fruit strips and um, stuck it into a glass kilner jar to keep and it's been such a hit the kids absolutely love them I am going to try that and is that recipes on your website yeah that's on my website that is so and you can do it in an oven if you don't have a dehydrator as well so you know really and and obviously if you can't get some of these things fresh because they they might have passed um uh the thing i want to do next for my fruit leathers the hawthorn berries here are in great abundance and they're an amazing thing for the heart um a beautiful beautiful medicine to have um, but i also rose hips are about to be ready here so i want to do rose hips and hawthorn berries and apples because that will be a nice combination um but if you can't get something fresh, then you can always buy dried elderberries um, so that you can still make these things. I've always got a store of dried elderberries so I can make teas on a regular basis. Like my middle son has got a bit of a cold. He's just come down with um, now. So today he's been having elderberry, marshmallow root, olive leaf, cinnamon, star anise uh, and reishi mushroom tea all day. Lovely. <laughs> I've always done so much... Uh, I'm a naturopath, but I've done so much homeopathically, but you are inspiring me to go back to, we learned botanicals, which is what you're talking about, and I want to go foraging. I've done it a few yeah. times, but oh, so beautiful. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. You know, I think homeopathy is an amazing thing as well. And I think it's the combination when we can add them all together, then it's such a powerful um, support for our system. Right. I always think of at the first sign of a cold, I often give, now you, you usually take a case, but with kids, they don't always want you to. So I'll sometimes just try Allium Sipa, which is onion. And if you think okay. about it, when you smell an onion, you're you know, your eyes water and you, your nose waters. So it's like you cure like with like. So it's one of the first things I give. But when you were talking about elderberries, I want to talk about one more because I was thinking, yes, elderberries come in the fall. And that's just such a brilliant, you know, thing to, to realize that our planet is providing us with what we need when we need it. And I was thinking about all the dandelions that come up in the spring. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do you yeah. go out and harvest dandelions and why? Yeah, totally. Dandelions and nettles uh, both come up and cleavers and chickweed. They're all your kind of first things that come up in the spring. And what's really interesting about that is that they are all liver supports. So they all help to cleanse the liver, which has probably been probably been overworked in the winter when you've had heavier stodgier foods you've maybe drank more alcohol to keep you warm you've been more sedentary in your being because you're not out in the fresh air so much and so you need a spring clean of your body you know um and we all get that urge don't we when the sun starts to shine again it's like oh i need to i need to cleanse the house i need to cleanse my body everyone wants to detox in the spring and do that big clean of the house because something is awaking your energy is stirring 
And so what you need to do is clear the liver of all that stagnant energy so that you're all flowing. And, um, you know, dandelions and nettles, as I said, and cleavers and chickweed, these are all beautiful spring tonics. And I, what I like doing is just eating the dandelion leaves raw in salads or uh, juicing them or sticking them into smoothies. We have patches of them uh, in pots. I kind of leave them growing in the garden so that I've always got a supply. Uh, and same with nettles. We have nettles growing in pots. And um, nettles are probably my favourite springtime tonic. Um, uh, and nettles can be used at this time of year, but in a different way. And nettles are such a powerhouse of nutrients as are dandelions. They've got similar profiles to them nutritionally when you start to look at them, you know, they're both high in iron. They've got sodium and potassium, um, magnesium in them. They've also got A vitamins and C and vitamin K. So you've got quite a, and B vitamins as well, quite a broad spectrum of nutrients with, with both of those. And, um, with nettles, I was doing some research earlier about nettles and the, they have, there's been studies showing that they're very beneficial to men to support um, uh, prostates, keeping your prostate healthy and reducing inflammation in prostates, which is a really important thing for men over 50, especially to keep their prostates healthy. Um, and there's, there's evidence of them working with, for both men and women with the, the hormones, we, our hormones um, get to this point where they flip over and become negative. Um, and what these studies are looking at is the nettles, it looks like prevent that flipping. So they keep your hormones really healthy, which is a, a fascinating thing. Um, nettles and dandelions also are both very good at helping keep cholesterol levels down, regulating blood pressure. Um, they're both very good for keeping the heart healthy. Um, you know so many important things when we when we look at health at the moment you know the top killers are you know cancer heart disease things like that and we need to really be addressing them on much deeper levels with things like nettles and dandelions with things like the reishi mushrooms you know these are these are key um, components to our health that have been neglected that we've forgotten about you know uh, when you look at ancient texts the ancient Egyptians used nettles and dandelions. They used nettles uh, for lower back pain and arthritis on a regular basis. The Romans used to rub nettles against their skin to keep them warm. I'm glad we've got heating because I don't really want to be doing that. But, you know, there are so many documented um, cases of, of these uh, weeds being used uh, on a regular basis to support health and well-being. They've always been there and we've we've grown away from it, but we need to come back to it. We do. And one of the things that really excited me when we were all in lockdown, um, every month I ran online foraging courses and the amount of people that were coming to them uh, was so exciting because people had time and they couldn't go anywhere or they could go within their local environment. So people started to notice their local environment more don't get me wrong I wasn't a fan of lockdown for many reasons but you have to find the silver lining for things don't you and I I think one of them was that people started to wake up to um, the beauty of their environment and the beauty of the earth and you know when the everything else was hitting the fan the earth was still carrying on as normal you know the flowers were still blooming and the birds were still singing and everything was happening and for me that was one of the things that was such a savior to me 
to go, there may be insanity all around me, but there isn't in the earth. The earth is still doing what it does and nothing has changed. And if I focus on that, then that will pull me through and keep me sane. And it did. <laughs> right. And the message about how empowered we are, all we have to do is seek this information and we can do so much for ourselves. We don't have to look outside our no, and I think that's one of the things that throughout my work, I remember when I was working as a healer, one of my rules was that I wouldn't see someone more than seven times in a row. Um, and people couldn't understand why I would say that. And, like, and they said, but you know, it's money, it's clients. Why would you turn someone away after seven sessions? I said, because I don't want someone becoming dependent on me for their health and well-being. I said, we have to take charge of our own health and we have to look to ourselves and not hand our power to everyone else you know something goes wrong in our health and what do we do we call up the doctor we call up the tell us what's wrong and don't get me wrong these people all have their places and if you have any serious medical condition you should always consult a healthcare practitioner however <laughs> you know that exactly disclaimer in but you know what we have to learn to do, and this is the, the, the kind of fundamental basis of my work now, is getting people to listen to their inner wisdom, to relearn that thing that we've had from when we were born. We've always had it, but we've been programmed out of it. Um, and getting people to tune back into themselves and listen to that beauty and the wisdom from in their body, from in their soul. Because what I found personally and through my experience with working with thousands of people is that we all know what we need to do. Really, deep down, we have those answers. And it's about just creating the language and the tools so that you can, your intuition can tap into the things that you need. It's like, it's like nutrients. If you understand basically what nutrients do, when you tune into your body, your body will go magnesium and you'll go, ah, oh, okay. Or it will go chocolate because cacao is the most bioavailable form of magnesium on the planet. So it might be that you're already knowing that you need to have more magnesium because your body keeps asking you for chocolate, not the chocolate that's filled with sugar and dairy, but you know, cacao in its raw form. So it's, it's about understanding and giving yourself basic tools so that you can um, find solutions easily. Exactly. Now you're reminding me you, about, you told me a time in India when you first tasted chocolate. Tell yeah. us about that. And then I want to hear about mushrooms. <laughs> so, um, it was an amazing experience. I've, I've been in love with cacao. Well, I've been in love with chocolate most of my life. I've always been a chocolate fan. And um, I remember, uh, really, I, I started my... Um, I, so, okay. I did a... Um, I went raw for a year when my son was one. And I ate just raw foods for a year. I was 100% raw. And it was great. I felt amazing filled with vitality it's incredible but the thing that stopped me from having a raw food diet was chocolate and i missed it i didn't have chocolate for a year and i didn't know about raw cacao at this time it wasn't available readily it wasn't in the kind of um 
mass consciousness as it is now. So chocolate swayed me from that raw diet. And when I then a few years later, uh, I went to a friend's and they were making, they were doing a raw chocolate workshop. And it was the most incredible evening of my life, learning how to make my own chocolate. And that really opened up so many doors. Uh, so Ben Hubbard, thank you very much. You taught me and opened up many doors for me. And I went on to teach people raw chocolate. I still teach people how to make raw chocolate. And it's one of the best workshops I do because just empowering people with the ability to make healthy chocolate is an incredible thing. So I've been working for many years with chocolate and we've been going to this spice farm in India, uh, an organic spice farm called Tantrika Spice Farm. Beautiful place run by a really, really lovely um, family. And they grow cacao there. And it's some of the most beautiful cacao I've ever tasted. And we'd been there for many, for a few years, we'd been going back, but it was never the right timing state. <clears throat> so one year we went and we arrived and Chin May, the owner, said, Juliet, Juliet, Giles, come here. And he had this pod, which he took off the tree, a beautiful pod, like this kind of size. Obviously you can't see if you're listening, um, the size of a, a big grapefruit basically. And um, he opened, cut it, broke it open in half. And it was this hallelujah moment. I heard this celestial choir go, ah, you know, it was, it was a really incredible, deeply spiritual moment for me. And he handed Giles and I, my husband and I, uh, half of this cacao pod. And inside it was this beautiful white fruit that wrapped around the nuts, which are the cacao beans, as we know them. They're actually uh, are considered to be a nut. And the white flesh was like a mixture between mangoes and lychees. It was incredible. And the nuts just tasted of a kind of bitter nutty taste, but they were beautiful. So we walked around this spice farm eating this half a cacao pod. And um, I had an incredible experience. Cacao is known to open the heart to love. That's one of its properties, energetically and physically, because of the magnesium on the physical side. And it's always been classed as the food of love and the food of the gods. So it's been held in such high regard and esteem for a long, long time. And when I ate this cacao, my heart burst open and I felt such bliss and unconditional love. Um, and it's terrible. I always feel a little bit guilty when I equate it to this, but it was like the moment my son, my first son was born and my heart burst open with unconditional love for this being that I had brought into the world. And it was the same as that. <laughs> it was this real like unconditional love. What was incredible is it lasted for a week. I was in this state of bliss for a whole week. And it was a gift I felt from the cacao because I'd been working with it for so long to show me the depths of what plants can do and if we tune into the wisdom of plants we can really elevate our beings to such greater uh, states and and one of the things that i have since come to do and i do on a regular basis with people is i've realized as wonderful it is as it is to have a plant there in front of you and to work with it on a physical level, 
what we can also do is work with it energetically. And if you don't have something, you don't have access to something, you can sit and tune into it. Like I can tune into the elderberries and bring in that vibration of their, their magic, you know, into my being, that healing vibration. And just like homeopathy, you know, we have these strands, vibrational strands, and if they're out of line, you have to bring that like vibration in, whether it's through homeopathy, through food, through uh, crystals, through um, sound, or through the power of that thought of that energy coming in. It's all the same. And, you know, plants have so much to teach us when we open our minds and our hearts to listen to them. Right. And again, like my love of homeopathy started there because and and as you learn about homeopathy you realize that it takes each plant and we can take chocolate we can take thousands of plants but each of them have a vibration a story physical like when we prove them they show us physical things that that they're aligned with and mental emotional things they're aligned with so chocolate when you were talking we give it homeopathically to heal a deep pain or a feeling of not connection to the mother. When you're not connected and you give a remedy to treat like with like, and so it helps bring back that feeling of unconditional love and restores wow. that connection to the mother. So I was just amazed, like, just, yeah, a little teary when you were talking about it and, you know, that experience of, you know, that's incredible i didn't know that that that's how it was used in homeopathy to bring that and it makes me feel better about uh my experience of feeling that unconditional love like when my son was first born that, that you know i didn't know that that was what it was linked to homeopathically so that's incredible you know that we can it just doesn't surprise me but you know it still does surprise me on some levels that that you know we can tune into these things without having that mental awareness and I've seen that so often in, in foraging courses or, or when I've run other courses with people, it's when they use, I get them to work with plants, like on my mentorship program, I run a 12 week mentorship program. And part of it is each week we work with a different plant to tune into the medicine of that plant. And um, people work with it themselves to, to learn what the, how it works with them best. So how does it work on a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual level? Um, and then, creating their own uh, kind of you know uh, medicine book so that when something goes wrong they can tune in and go oh that I remember when I worked with fennel that if fennel helped with that for me because it's always going to be slightly different for each person so that's why getting that that deep personal relationship with these plants uh, is such a, a beautiful thing so beautiful so people can do that with you they can do this mentorship and learn about yeah each plant oh we're gonna we'll include that so that people can get in touch with you and do that if they feel inspired that's just wonderful Thank julia you. can you talk about mushrooms because it is oh, yeah. i heard that yeah. yeah i think that i must have been a mushroom in a past life <laughs> um now when i'm talking about mushrooms i'm not talking about the illegal kind um although they they have great medicinal properties as well um my favorite mushroom is uh, reishi mushroom and uh, reishi mushroom is it, it, the family is a ganoderma 
and these are bracket funguses that grow on trees and they're hard woody things beautiful um and and they they're found in all different places around the world and they slightly vary um the ganoderma family as to where you're finding them but the mushrooms are incredible because on a physical level, the bracket fungus have so many medicinal properties to them. Uh, most of them are immune modulators, so they help to regulate the immune system. So if you've got an autoimmune condition, they're great because they come in and create that, that stasis, that, that stability within the, the immune system, uh, which is so important. So instead of just ramping it up, like, so elderberries ramp up your immune system. But if your immune system's overactive and attacking itself, that's not what you want. But the mushrooms don't do that. Um, uh, there's so many studies now happening with the mushrooms. Um, beta-glucans are found in a lot of the mushrooms like the reishi and the chaga and these beta-glucans have been shown to kill cancer cells, um, which is an incredible thing. Uh, there's a guy called Paul Stamens in America who's working um, with pharmaceutical companies to look at how mushrooms can benefit traditional allopathic treatment um, of cancer and uh, so far studies are showing that um, chaga and reishi both can reduce the negative effects of the chemo and radiation therapies um, and and benefit and support the positive sides of it but they've also they can be used by themselves without those treatments so a whole host of really incredible things going on with them but one of the things that it really excites me about the medicinal mushrooms is that well all mushrooms mushrooms have a, a a root network called the mycelium and these mycelium are bright white uh roots so bright white thin filaments and what's so exciting is they cover the whole planet so the whole planet is covered in this mycelium mushroom network so it's like a network of bright white light and so what I find is that when you start to work with the mushrooms, what you're doing is you're tapping into this really grounded, but finely grounded, not heavily grounded, but beautiful network of light that covers the whole planet and interacts with all the other plants because their roots, the mycelium crosses over with plant roots, tree roots. And so you're tapping into this huge network. But what's also so exciting about the mushrooms is that spores of mushrooms are found in space. So to me, what I feel is that when you work with mushrooms, you're connecting up into the cosmos and bringing down that beautiful cosmic energy. But you're also grounding in the earth so you can connect heaven and earth. You can you can unite these two four cosmic forces within your being. I like to think of it uniting within the heart and expanding out from that space beautiful that is an incredible and i did not know that everything was connected yeah with this fine filament of mushroom oh i'm gonna go read about that so how do you take mushrooms juliet do you make a tea or a tincture so i i do both i have um lots of products that I've created you know I, I mentioned in the beginning that I um when I was young I used to spend hours in the garden making potions and um, I've carried that through <laughs> into my adult life and and it's part of my business which is great um so I I create lots of mixes um to make really I started doing it because I would see that individuals needed certain mixes so I would start making mixes for them and what I found is that there were common similarities so then I just created a generic kind of general mixes for for, for sale um, so most of my mixes that I have 
contain mushrooms because they are so important. Um, so I, you can have mushrooms in different ways. I have it in a powdered form, which has already been heat extracted. With the medicinal mushrooms, because they are hard and woody, you can't just eat on them and you wouldn't put them in food because they wouldn't be very palatable. So you have to extract them either through heat or through alcohol. Um, so you can have a, an extraction that is a powder form, which has already been heat and alcohol extracted so that you can then just put it in your smoothie. Or you can have it, you know, as I said, as a tincture, uh, which I have tinctures that I take on a regular basis. And uh, I love making tinctures. And also my CBD hot chocolate has got mushrooms in. And my new drink, I've got one called Awaken, which is really exciting, uh, which has CBD and medicinal mushrooms and cacao and ashwagandha and lion's mane and lots of other amazing uh, things. So, um, yeah, you can, teas are a great way to do it. If you want to make a tea with them, you need to generally cook them for about 20 to 30 minutes to extract uh, the medicinal properties from that. Um, and then you can leave it to cool and you can use it as a base for a smoothie. That's a, a great thing to do. Um, and you find that the mushrooms are energizing generally um, because what they're doing is all of the medicinal mushrooms work to support the adrenals. So the adrenals are... Um, uh, organs in our body that help us to deal with stress and so these are probably the most overworked organs out of any uh, and we need to give them love and generally what we do is we spike them and we we whip them like a horse you know by giving them caffeine and refined sugars and things like that to keep us going when we're tired instead of feeding them with love and nurture and the medicinal mushrooms are very good at supporting the adrenals and feeding them. So then we get energy because we're feeding our adrenals as opposed to whipping them. Brilliant, I have to say. And people can find these things on your website. It's just so exciting, Juliet. And Shaga is spelled C-H-A-G-A. -A. That's right, yes. And I think you guys have lots of that in Canada, don't you? Yeah, it's pretty easy to find. Mushrooms in general, if you go to a health food store, are expensive, but, yeah. you know, worth it. And yeah. you're explaining why. And you don't need that much of them, you know, to make a difference. No. And reishi is R-E-I-S-H-I. Yes? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put that I in the description. And they're, they're great to, um, you know, you, as you said, you know, in Canada, you can forage them. Um, and you can find chaga a lot in the wild uh, because it grows in colder climates. So where I am um, down in the south of England, you, you can't really find chaga growing so much. It's up the north near to Scotland. Um, but, you know, we find reishi mushrooms growing here a lot. And turkey tails is another one that we find growing a lot. Um, so it's good to obviously be really careful if you are foraging and get a good book because it's, it's so important that you cross-reference and make sure you're getting the right thing so key but there are great books out there Richard Maybe is one of my favorites he wrote a book called Food for Free and that's a a brilliant book um he wrote it in the 70s but there's been many updated versions of them since and uh that's that's a great little companion to have out when you're foraging and with mushrooms you know always check 
there's a lot of really poisonous ground mushrooms. The bracket fungus is much easier because there's hardly any that are poisonous on the hard woody bracket fungus. So you're, it's a much easier kind of thing to do. But again, always cross-reference. But turkey tails are a beautiful one to find. And that's that's usually quite easy in most climates to find that one. So, so have a read and, and start to look into it. And what you'll find is that when you find your first mushroom, like your turkey tail mushroom, and then you go home and you make tea with it, you'll really step into a huge new journey. But if you can't get out and forage, then you can go and buy them in powdered form or, or tincture form or, or as the dried mushroom that you can make tea with yourself. And that's still just as, as exciting. It is. But foraging sounds so fun. So the book is called Food for Free. Food for Free by Richard Maybe, and it's M-A-B-E-Y. Perfect. Julia, you start your day every day with a beautiful habit. Tell us what it is and why. So one of the most important things that I do and have been doing now for years, and it's something that has really shaped my being, is I start by being grateful and by thinking about all the things that I'm grateful for. Because what I found is it's very easy to get up, turn your phone on. Um, hopefully you've turned it off when you've gone to bed, but it's very easy to get up and just get into a world of, you know, Facebook or whatever else or emails and kids and life and how you start your day sets the tone for the day. And what I found is that if I take those few minutes and it doesn't have to be a long thing where I just lay there, and I just think about all the things that I'm grateful for. It's such a powerful process of alignment with our goals, with your truth, with what you want to bring into your life. And it's much easier to stay focused and not be swayed so much by the dramas of life. Don't get me wrong, sometimes you still are. But it's much easier to hold your centre whilst the world is going mad when you have that anchor to start your day with what am I grateful for? And I like to come up with five things every day. And I do it before I go to sleep as well. I go through what I'm grateful for, because then you're going to sleep with that same energy. So it's pulling you through the night. Yeah, well, and thoughts are so powerful. Gratitude is a higher vibration than sadness or fear. And what we focus on is what will come, will manifest in our lives. So to bring up our vibration first thing in the morning is really important. Exactly. And then you get up and you have water with lemon. That's right. And I put some salt in as well. And what are the benefits? Yeah. So when I say salt, I'm not talking about table salt. I'm talking about, I use raw gray sea salt. So a salt that's not been kiln dried. So it's got all of its nutrients still in it. And what I found is that that salt um, electrifies the being. It creates an electrical current, which really energizes and charges you up. And the importance of drinking water. Well, I brushed my teeth first. That's the most important thing that you clean your mouth when you wake up because Otherwise, your mouth has been, your body's been detoxing over the night and it puts the, the toxins into your mouth. That's why you wake up and you're like, because there's toxic residue in your mouth that wants to get out of your body. So if you then wake up and drink your water straight away, you're flushing some of this stuff back into your body. So you're starting on a negative as opposed to a positive. So once I've cleaned my mouth, I have my water because what that water is doing is it's doing a few things. First of all, you're setting a muscle memory. So you're reminding your body 
what it feels like to be hydrated. So then you get into that habit through the day of drinking because you've reminded your body. What I find is that when I miss my morning water, I hardly drink any water through the day because it's, it's kind of like I've broken a program. Um, so that water in the morning I find sets me up to go, oh, I'm thirsty, I wanna drink. Mm -hmm. And what you're also doing is you're supporting the body's natural elimination process, your body's natural detoxification process, which has been happening overnight. And that water in the morning aids the flushing out of your, your waste materials that you want out, not in. And that's a really important thing to health and well-being is not having stagnant poo stuck in us. <laughs> um, so, uh, and the, the lemon helps to alkalize the body. So you're creating a really nice space in your body. You've hydrated your cells. They've gone from shriveled uh, raisins into nice plump grapes. So your body's starting off in this lovely um, liquidy, refreshed way. Um, and it's cleared out its waste, so that's good. And what I find is that water with lemon and salt is actually more energizing than a coffee would be. I, I haven't drank caffeine now for 14, 15 years. Um, but the water creates the energy that coffee would of in my body. It's, it's energizing, that salt is energizing, it's remineralizing. So I'm starting off in a really good space. And how much salt do you add? A pinch. Just a little pinchy. It doesn't need to taste salty. It's not like you're drinking seawater because that would be gross. It's just that little pinch to, um, basically we're meant to be drinking water that's filled with minerals. We're meant to be drinking water that's come off the rocks and is loaded with a magnetic charge and with that energy, um, but we don't. So by putting the salt in, you're remineralizing that water and you're creating uh, something that is more keen to what it should be. Yes, and we should be drinking water that comes out of a vortex from the earth that has spinned it and energized it and yes, all the things you're talking about, but we often exactly that <laughs> yeah. today. So you do what you can to replicate it in, in whatever way you can. And, you know, the salt and the lemon, you know, there's some amazing things that do spin the water now that you can get out there to, to create that vortex. Magnets do it, you know, but one of the most important things I think with water is the, the energetic thought that goes into the water. You know, like we were talking with the food. Dr. Emoto has done some beautiful work called the hidden messages of water, where he looks at the geometric structure of water. And for me, I made this click a few years ago. Suddenly I thought, hang on, if, if water like this can be programmed and can be a beautiful crystal structure or this chaotic blob of nothing, just based on thoughts and words that go into it, I'm made up of over 70% water. <gasps> What's going on with my water inside my being with all those things that go through my head? They're all shaping my crystalline structure. And that really hit home and I thought, my God, I don't wanna be this blob of like, no, no pattern, no geometric structure of just chaos. I want my water to shine. So that made me really start to catch myself when I would say, oh, you idiot. Oh, why did you do, you know, those things that we say when we drop something or we do something wrong or we get a parking ticket or whatever it is. Yeah. I started to think about the fact that all those things were changing. I want to be a beautiful snowflake. <laughs> 
so that's where I really started thinking about what I say to myself so much more and, and thinking about what I say to the water. So, you know, having a beautiful um, coaster with a, a sacred geometric structure under it is a really nice thing or, or writing love and gratitude or just holding your water and thinking that thought or having a crystal in there. Any of these things to create that um, beautiful beauty within the water that you're drinking and therefore the water within your being. Exactly. We want to be beautiful, crystalline, energetic cells and beings. And yes, to be aware, just to be aware of all of that matters. Mm. Incredible. Exactly. Julia. There was a beautiful song by someone called Fantuzzi. And he goes, shine your light, your super loving light. And that just popped into my head when we were talking then, because that's that's ultimately what we want to do, don't we? We want to shine our light so that we can uh, be the best version of ourselves that we can. And we can't do that all the time, and that's okay. But where we can, we want to shine as brightly as we can, because that encourages everyone else to shine. And that's what we're meant to do. And and that's that's kind of my mission is to help guide people to shine their light. Um, so that they can be the, the most beautiful version of themselves that they are in their soul, that they already are. Yeah. It's just remembering that. Just remembering. Julia, thank you so much. So how do people find you to connect with you, to learn some of these recipes and just start foraging? <laughs> <laughs> So my website is julietbryant.com um, and that's got lots of free recipes on there and uh, and all my products are also on there. Lots of free videos on YouTube. I'm um, Juliet's Kitchen. So I've, I'm, I've got lots of videos on YouTube. I just did a seven day series of um, looking at my top 21 supplements, why we need those different nutrients and what I, how to take them, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to start um, next week, my top superfoods. So that's going to be going out on my YouTube every day. So that's great. Um, and on Facebook, my Facebook is julietskitchen.tv. So those are all the different ways. Um, and on my, my website is all my contact details. So you can send me a message if you've got any questions. Yes. And we'll add all of those contacts to the description below the amazing. So everyone can go and find you and become empowered with this amazing information. Thank you so much, Juliet. And Thank you. Yes, so, so incredible. To everyone oh. out there, go be a game changer. Share this information with others. And let's work together to make a better planet. And don't give away your power to anyone else. Thank you, Juliet.